Today, I'm interviewing Dr. Joel Bennett, PhD, CWP, and CEO of Organisational Wellness and Learning Systems, also known as OWLS. Dr. Joel's mission is to catalyze healthy cultures and communities from the inside out with science. OWLS programs, many of which have been tested in clinical trials, have reached over 250,000 workers, a quarter of a million people. And these programs have been shown to reduce behavioral health risks, improve the work climate, and have been recognized as effective by even the US Surgeon General. Dr. Bennett is the author and co-author of over 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles and seven books, including his most recent, The Connoisseur of Time, An Invitation to Presence, which is available for free. And I'm going to give a web link for you to access that. Joel lives in Texas with his wife, Jan, and relishes mysticism. And I'm so excited to share this interview with you today. I'm so thrilled to be talking to Dr. Joel Bennett today. Joel, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Now, we've got so many things we could talk about, but maybe we can start by talking about how we first met. Does that sound okay? Yeah. So I was looking for some continuing education credits as part of my NBHWC uh, renewal. And I came across your Resilience to Thriving coach training. That must be, what, two years ago now? Yes, about two years ago, yes. And diving into that course was actually really personally very transformative for me because I really, I, I guess what happened was I learned how to slow down, slow down time, and focus on that really important skill of relationship building with people and being there, being the couch, I think you described it as. The couch. Yeah, creating the couch, actually. And that's how we got to know each other. By creating the couch. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It, it's such a great metaphor. How did you come up with that? I like couches. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, doesn't everybody like couches? I mean, it's interesting in the class, we actually show, if you remember, images of different oh. types of couches and different Yeah, sets. which one do you like the best? I remember that. Right, one has, a, one has an Afghan kind of like draped over the back with sunlight coming through, right? Mm. One, you know, so there, it's interesting that that experience that we have of being on a couch um, and settling in, you know, it's different than a chair. Mm -hmm. uh, it's different than a bed, right? Yeah. You know, and um, we don't have to get Freudian here because of course there's the Freudian couch. That's not what we're talking about. No, here. no. <laughs> it's, it's that idea of being the couch, right? Mm. So yeah, as a coach. As a coach, yeah, that was that was amazing, an amazing training experience for me, and much different than anything I'd I'd had before. And I think it's actually taken me down a path, which you are now writing about in a series of books. And preparing for this episode with you, I look back on your history of what you've done in your work, and it's almost like you're um I could 
mentally join the dots in the evolution of starting with organisational wellness and a culture of well-being to all of these more later iterations or adventures on that journey. Could you talk a little bit about that journey, how you've evolved oh, to this point? Sure. So it's interesting. <laughs> um, it, it, it might be relevant to those who are listening, who are looking to have a career, right? And, and you think that your career is supposed to look one way, right? Yeah. Um, so I actually started more in this space, doing spiritual retreats and teaching meditation um, and talking about time and spiritual health. That's always been uh, my, my love, right? That's been my love. I was, a, for a number of years, I was a clerk of a Quaker meeting. And wow. uh, if you know anything about Friends, Society of Friends or Quakers, there's that really, you're just listening, right? You're listening for the spirit. Mm. And, um, but I also have this a strong achievement motive and I have the scientific mind and um, I had struggled as a professor uh, and left um, and I was teaching organizational, my dissertation was on leadership. Mm. So I had this two different lives going on, right? My doing these retreats, but also teaching college students. And what happened was I was able to find work in organizational uh, health, mm -hmm. specifically preventing uh, worker substance misuse and addiction, right? Mm -hmm. That's a lot of that other work that I've been doing. But underneath it all, the whole time has been this thread of showing up, you know, being present and listening. Mm. Uh, and early workshops I was doing on time management and stress management. And what, what has evolved, though, is that even on the surface, I talk about the, the, the surface sequence of life compared to the deep process of life. Mm -hmm. And underneath it all, it's this thread of presence has always been there. And one of the things we found in our research on workplace, uh, which there's two worlds, we live in two worlds, right? We live on the schedule routine side mm -hmm. of life mm -hmm. and having the career. And then there's this other, you know, cause we have to make it in the world, right? You know, yeah. um, or at least we think we do. You know, I'd, I'd rather be on the beach sticking straw into sand, but that's a whole <laughs> thing. Please, can I go? Can I come over there and do that? So, so the, the, the thing that I found was that one of the best predictors of employees' risk for problem drinking and other um, substance use risks was this thing we in psychology. Psych psychological withdrawal at work. That is people showing up to work, mm -hmm. but not really showing up to work, right? Right, like not and participating, not engaging. Yes, but loafing with other coworkers, playing on their computers, balancing their checks, 
you know, whatever they're doing these days, who knows all kinds of things with social media, right? Mm -hmm. And so that even though I was still interested in this deeper spiritual thing of really being present to life, it turns out that when it comes to addiction and the problems of employee engagement, you know, whether you call it burnout or disengagement or fatigue really has to do with the lack of creating the space and honoring people's process for where they are in terms of showing up instead of trying to always force them into like a round peg into a square hole, right? Mm -hmm. So my career has been about walking between those two worlds. And one of my colleagues who I recommend, Judy Neal, she's a long-term colleague of mine who studies and um, in, this, in this field of workplace spirituality, she calls people of our ilk edge walkers. So you can look up Judy Neal, edge walkers, right? Okay. Uh, boundary spanners, right? And so I hope that answers the question that it's, it's there's mm -hmm. a linear career, but really the whole time I've been walking on this edge. Yeah, one foot in each camp in a way, left brain and right brain working together yep. on the surface and at the deeper level. Yes, yes. Mm. So interesting. And I think especially for coaches, you talked about sobriety, which is interesting because a lot of coaches are now getting into gray area drinking and needing to deal with clients in that area. But also there's going to a job every day and doing your work and clocking on and clocking off. But when you're a coach, it's not like that, is it? It's a different kind of work that you have this schedule behind the scenes that runs the business. And then you have this compelling need to be present with your client, to not be rushed, to sit with them and feel their feelings, to use intuition, to create resonance. Can you, can you speak a little bit to that? Well, you said it at the beginning, it's the couch, right? That mm. well, I, I'm so grateful that you were able to experience that slowing down so that when you are in the moment with the client, you can put aside those technicalities to be there, right? Yeah. So resonance um, and presence are, are related. The new book is called The Connoisseur of Time, An Invitation to Presence. And what we recommend for anybody, especially coaches, is to really take the time to understand your attitude toward time. So if you're overly, it's a, it's a, it's a how can I say? underappreciated and undervalued skill, the ability to not just do the coaching, but to frame it and then to transition in and out of the coaching session. That's, there's lots in there that you can have a client and then you might have whatever, 10 minutes between one client and the next client. And whatever emotional experiences you've been having in the session and the resonance that you experience that is whatever we call polyvagal activation, right? Mm -hmm. um, that occurs, the ability to buffer and then come back and then reset. 
is a tremendous, uh, I think it's a tremendous skill set. And so beneath that, just like the surface sequence. So that's the surface sequence. Like, how am I going to do, how am I going to do my coaching day? Yeah. Am I going to see who, when am I going to see them? How much time do I have time to have a cheese stick? <laughs> There's a man after my own heart. <laughs> a big fan of cheese sticks, actually. <laughs> or a pop tart. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, you've got five minutes. Yeah. Sometimes. And, and so that's, that immediately begs the question, what's the deeper process hmm. that you're engaging with? Because we know that on, in the behavior, at least here in the States, people who work in behavioral health since, since COVID, it's the burnout rates are just tremendous. Hmm. People turnover in many uh, uh, therapeutic uh, in the therapist's industry, social workers, licensed professional counselors, because time is not what it was pre-pandemic, but it really never was what it was pre-pandemic, that people are starting to wake up to the fact that clock time, there's more to, more to time than clock time. So the first thing we recommend is what is your attitude towards time? What is your orientation towards time? And I can go into, there are many different levels there from you, you know, poorly managed time to I manage time, I manage time well, I don't even manage time anymore, I'm in the flow of my life, right? Bliss, you know, transcendental yeah. values, on one end and on the other end, it's like, it's a treadmill and boring and I don't even know why I'm here, right? Mm. So you're establishing that race relationship to your own time in this life as a person first and as a coach second. Mm. Carrying that energy through. Because the your- client, the client's gonna pick that up even at an unconscious level. What is your, how are you vibrating, right? Um, you know, the classic example is the therapist who spends their time looking at the clock instead of at the client wondering, you know, right. (laughs) Will we finish on time? I need to go to the bathroom. Can I get a cheese stick? (laughs) How many clients do I have to see today? Yeah. Not being, not being present in the moment. That's right. Yeah. So does that answer that, that question that, that, Mm, mm, it does yeah and and I'm curious you mentioned your new book which I'm really excited to read when I go traveling next week what inspired you to write that book well everything we're talking about here I mean it goes I, I do think that this blind adherence to time being only clock time is responsible for many of the problems that we face as individuals and as a planet Mm. and um you know everything from burnout to um climate change to uh fast food and uh reactive responses on social media and addiction there's so many things so 
I see it at the, you know, you know, I've been doing this work on resilience. Mm. So I say it's the problem isn't stress. The problem is time. And that we've, we've forgotten to pause mm. because everything in technology has sped up so much and we've kind of, you know, the next, the next uh, bright, shiny thing, whatever it happens to be on the smartphone or whatever. So like we were talking earlier about how you, you know, like the beach and yeah. the bush and um, there's a different rhythm there. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's part of what inspired it. The other part of it is that from a very early age, I've always had this sense of being very close to death, you know, being aware that quote unquote time is limited, right? Mm. And um, having experienced or death in my younger, you know, in family. And so there's something that has always been there gnawing at me, you know? about it um, and having studied spirituality from an early age and seeing pretty much in every book I've ever picked up that teachers talk about our limited time hmm. and it's you better meditate I mean every teacher <laughs> every teacher and so it's like well okay if everybody's saying this you know if we need to take time to contemplate the heavens and God and then maybe I should take time to contemplate the heavens and God, right? Yeah, yeah. So inspired, right? You asked what inspired. Mm. It's definitely beyond me. The inspiration is, is not from this uh, earthly plane. It comes from someplace else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it's got some really important tools to help people get a sense of, what time means for them and how perhaps to transcend the boundaries of it. It makes me think about playing the piano. Like when I was little, I learned piano and violin. And you know what it's like when you start anything, you're looking at the music, you're going, what is, where do I put my fingers? And you go, Kong, or in the case of the violin, you go, <laughs> and you go, oh, and you're looking and you're trying to get the bowing technique right and where the fingers go and does that note sound good and you're in that doing mode of all of the little details, all of the minutiae, and one day you might be able to squeak out a song and then with lots and lots of practice you can play a song. But then the really interesting thing is how do you transcend that and feel and be the song and I don't know if that makes sense, but I've been watching a bit of Australian Idol recently and you can see these people who are great singers and then there are these people that are being the song and there's a whole world of difference in the skill because it's not just your ability to do the thing, it's your ability to experience and portray that experience of the thing. Does that make sense? Oh, of course. It's the full embodiment. So you're so resonating that goes back to resonance, right? You resonate so much with what's happening in your craft and in the moment that it's no longer work, right? Right. So from the coach, from a coach's perspective, that resonance, that polyvagal resonance, when you're empathically 
so attuned to what the other's experiencing, it's no longer effort. There's no work. There's, you're just being with what's mm -hmm. happening in that moment so that it's so much, it's easier. There's no question about, oh, I have to transition to the next client because you have been there completely and fully in the, in the form of the session, right? And the, we've talked about this in the resilience course that your own resilience story, right? That every, mm -hmm. every client is at some level working through something about their own resilience story. How are they gonna bounce back? How are they gonna move ahead? How are they gonna find their purpose? How are they? So your own, as a coach, resilience story automatically, I believe if you're doing the, if you're doing, if you're being present has to come forward because you, you're resonating with what's going on with them. And so, you know, we talk about, is it appropriate to share your own story? Well, sometimes it might be, and you'll know that, and it could be transformational for the relationship and for the client, because you're no longer in the technique of the violin or the yeah. piano keys, right? You're, you have gotten to that place of purity mm -hmm. and you know that you're here to channel and get out of the way, right? So it, it's, it's a paradox. You can be sharing a lot about your own personal life as a coach, but you've actually gotten out of the way because you're not doing it to share your stuff. You're sharing there to support the client in their own resonance with their own life. Mm -hmm. And then the amazing thing happens sometimes where the client then shares something back to you. And it's like, oh my God, you as a coach learn something from the client. Yeah. And there's that synchronicity. And then you remember, oh, that's why I do this work. It's not about you mm -hmm. giving to them, right, anymore. It's, it's about being in the flow of the intimacy. Does that kind of yeah and and i love that talking about transcending that that i'm doing this for you and it's that it's not that i mean we have to move beyond that to be a good coach right to be truly present to be truly resonant to be there as the vessel holding the space for the client help them do their work and support them in that it's not about us or us fixing them or we have to take that that leap of faith into that unknown space that doesn't have a structure and doesn't have all the notes written down for you to follow. How do you make that your own song now? It's, it's, yeah, it's complex. And especially, I suppose, if you're zooming in and out of that during the day, you have a schedule, you have people to see, so you're in that moment, but then to be able to pull back and to, to create that sense of presence with the client in that moment. That's, that's for me, the struggle there is quality not quantity we you know that if you're doing this work it's like how many clients can i see and how many people are coming and you know i mean i don't have enough people signing up for this workshop and mm -hmm. and re letting go of that and realizing that it's about whoever happens to be there mm -hmm. and being the gift in that being with that gift being the treasure in that having that sense of treasuring that's my own struggle right that's my where i struggle and then i also get well how come that person got 45 people signing up <laughs> for their workshop you know 
I know my shit's better than theirs. You know, what is going on here? You know, so that it's the, that's, that's the other part, right? Yeah. That we don't get in our heads about how we're supposed to be successful. Mm-hmm. I agree. And to me, I think success comes when you do a really, really, really good job as a coach. The better quality of experience that that person has, the more heard and acknowledged they feel, the more space they have to unpack the spaghetti bolognese in their head and see it for what it is and problem solve it, the better that experience. They're going to tell people like them, as long as you pick the right client in the first place, that you have that resonance with and you can create that then they're going to take it to their friends and their network and say, hey, you need to go and see blah, blah, blah. That's how <laughs> business grows. It's not about getting the bums on seats so much as getting the quality in those sessions, which creates the audience. And that that's, when I look at the work that you're doing, that's what I hear underneath a lot of what you're communicating to people is, is that sense of quality is paramount. Would you agree that I capture that? Yes, absolutely. And and I think some people then fall down the trap of doing a million courses, not just for continuing education, because, but because they're not good enough or they don't know enough and they do all of this learning and they're very cerebral. And then they're not applying it and they can't figure out how they help people because they're thinking about all of these things they've learned rather than thinking about the person in front of them and what do they need right now? Maybe they just need to vent, <laughs> you know, and all those great technical skills, the really, the most important one that matters is resonance and presence. Yeah, there, I, I, of course, agree. I think that the, there are other ways from, some other ways people can come into that. There are just some, many things out there, right? So. Mm-hmm. We talked about the work of Deb Dana and polyvagal theory. There's also heart math and, and doing, whether you're using the inner balance technique or heart lock-in or whatever, where I, I know when I do that biofeedback, I am I'm more likely to have, I'll be on point when I'm not in my head mm-hmm. and when I'm just breathing in and out of my heart in a slow paced way, right? So there's qigong, right? Or tai chi or yoga or whatever it is that you do or Louise Hay affirmation cards or, you know, here, as I mentioned, squishmallows (laughs) that we, it's, 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 it's okay to lean on things like that Mm. because we do get in our heads and we need to have, we need to come back into the body. We need to, come back to that place of putting our hands on our hearts and feeling that coherence as well, right? Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm completely agreeing with you and just reminding people that um, you don't have to keep in your, you don't have to keep going in your head from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And what a relief that is. What a relief. I mean, if you think about how much, how fraught that is to be in your head and to have all those unhelpful thoughts, I mean, that's the whole 
that's the whole thing right mindset managing your mindset is a whole thing and what if you just focused on being using being skills being present slowing down time creating resonance wouldn't that be more enjoyable than thinking about the to-do list and the to-don't list of course. I mean, it, you, of course, you're asking a rhetorical question. The, yeah. I think the, 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 the thing to recognize, I believe, is that you, you chose this path as a coach for a, a deeper reason mm -hmm. than you may not even know. And that as you proceed on the path of your own growth, it becomes clearer and clearer as you have these moments of, of resonance, of coherence, of being really just being the couch. It's not even you anymore. You're just a couch. <laughs> You're just yeah. a pillow, you know? And, and at that moment, it's like there's a spirituality there, mm. right? That, I, I mean, that's how I frame it. And that's being the connoisseur of time, right? Where mm. you, you're, you're now... Um, savoring what's happening spontaneously mm. and then the light bulb goes off and you go oh that's why i'm here that's why i'm doing this instead of doing it quote unquote at the surface sequence for the money right yeah, yes. or for the recognition or for you know whatever it is you're chasing after and so then what else happens when you become the connoisseur of time what are some of the other outcomes that you get? <laughs> well, Rewards. No, it's a paradox because it's really not about outcomes at that point. It's such a, it's such a hard thing for people to grasp because, you know, in those moments of flow or synchronicity, um, you're, you're moving past outcomes and because you're no longer in clock time, it's not about a linearity anymore. I think, you know, intimacy, you know, the, my first book, Time and Intimacy, we, we talk about the melody. There's these, this four-part melody that uses the word intimacy in different parsing. So in the uh, codependency literature, there's that notion, I've talked about this many times with into me see, right? Like yeah. setting up those boundaries. I need to take care of myself. Do you see that? Because I can't keep doing this the way that I was. So now I'm coming back to myself and that's that self-intimacy. But then there's um, in time, I see that is waiting with being patient, that savoring that I talked about, mm. you know, in time, I start to see, oh, it's not about what I thought it was. You know, I get out of my way and there's more treasures here than I thought I would experience. And that's another way, you know, in time I see. And then in relationship, there's in time mates see. And of course, Australia, mate is a very important <laughs> word. <laughs> so it, it comes from Australia because there's a lot. I'd rather, I'd rather be a mate with somebody in Australia than just a simple friend with somebody in America. I'm saying that out here. 
<laughs> so in time mates C, right? Which is in time mates C. And that's about really realizing that you're not on this path alone, right? So those are outcomes. But the one, the one that I, you know, in the book, um, I use spiritual uh, scripture mm -hmm. and from different, um, I'm holding it, I'm looking at it here so I can find it. And it's into my sea, which is um, th this sea of life's treasures that one starts to recognize over time that maybe uh, one of my colleagues calls it the display that's there for us. So that we really contemplate, when we take the time to contemplate and we have that deeper sense of the expanse of time. Mm -hmm. So this, this, is the, the, this is from Hafez. I'll read this from Hafez because I have to. Okay. Um, if you don't know, Shamuddin Muhammad Afez uh, was a, some claim a Sufi uh, mystic who lived between 1320 and 1389. There are so many gifts still unopened from your birthday. There are so many handcrafted presents that have been sent to you by God. The beloved does not mind repeating everything I have is also yours. Please forgive Hafiz and the friend if we break into a sweet laughter when your heart complains of being thirsty, when ages ago, every cell in your soul capsized forever into this infinite golden sea. Amazing. So that's your outcome. <laughs> that's what I was hoping you'd say <laughs> you know because a lot of people that's exactly what I was thinking when I said outcome a lot of people go will I get more time will I save more money will I whatever but for me the outcome is relief for me the outcome is a richness of life for me the outcome is transcending the fears and limitations and spending more time in flow and really enjoying and embodying that and enjoying more of your life and feeling more confident about who you are and what you do and what you can help other people to do. For me, some of those are outcomes, you know. That's amazing. I mean, what a who wouldn't want to be a coach? All we have to do is get out of our own way, you know. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you, Joel, so much for taking the time to speak with me today and, and for helping create this episode that I know people are going to get a lot out of. Um, I'm going to put some links in the show notes to your book. Do you have any last thoughts or words of wisdom for us before we wrap up? Well, you, you can download the book at no cost from our uh, website, www.presence.com quest.life we offer uh if you go there you'll see more things but we're really wanting to do is create a community of what we we call time weavers right um and so we hope you'll join us in in our sessions and um i i just want to go to australia 
well then please come please come visit <laughs> yeah no yeah. it's whatever you need around this topic or feel led to around this topic please visit us please reach out and uh we, we we're really looking to build a community